Dudes and dudettes, welcome back to The Anxious Truth, episode number 151, 151. Today on the podcast, I have a special guest, my friend Dr. Lisa Cortez. You know her as the Anxiety Doctor on Instagram. We are going to talk about a really cool topic, which is the role of culture and gender, in a way, uh, in anxiety disorders and recovery. Because uh, Dr. Lisa practices in Southern Texas. She has a very unique viewpoint, especially into the Latinx community. So we're going to talk about that. It's going to be great. Before we get going with Dr. Lisa, let me remind you of one thing. And that is that I wrote a book that is incredibly helpful in the process of recovering from an anxiety disorder. And it is called The Anxious Truth, A Step-by-Step Guide to Understanding and Overcoming Panic, Anxiety, and Agoraphobia. You can find it on my website at theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. It is written as if it is a course in how to recover from your anxiety disorder. I set out to write a helpful tool. By all accounts, I've done that. People are digging it. It's helping a lot of people. I'm proud of it. So go check it out if you haven't. And if you have checked it out and you have it and you're using it, maybe head on over to Amazon if you're digging it and write me a review because that helps me out too. And I appreciate that. All right, let's get cooking with Dr. Lisa. This is going to be a good topic. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. And I will see you after the interview to wrap things up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me here, Dr. Lisa Cortez, my friend from Texas. What up, Dr. Lisa? Yay, Texas. What up? What up? How you doing down there? You guys went through some crazy nonsense for a it little while. It was crazy for an entire week, which yeah. we've never had in my 44 years. We've never had, you know, that severe cold here in deep South Texas because it's always hot. Yeah. But we survived. We're now, I think yesterday it was about 85 degrees, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> it was, we were at like 21 yeah. uh, last week but or two weeks ago, but yeah. we survived. 85. Yeah, you guys don't kid around down there. So what we're going to talk about today, as I said in the intro, we're going to we're going to address some cultural and some gender roles, maybe some faith based issues as they relate to anxiety disorders and recovery. And Dr. Lisa has a very unique uh, qualification in that where she is, where she practices and who she practices with. Right. So tell us where you are and who you're interacting with so often. So I'm in deep South Texas, which it's uh, a border town bordering Mexico, obviously. Um, 93% of the population here is Mexican American, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Because you think, you know, it's America and it's uh, very few Anglos and Blacks and Asians that live here. Right. Um, so just imagine me coming back from, I, I left uh, to San Antonio to study and I wanted to come down here to open up my practice and to, to work here. Yeah. Um, you grew up there? When I started. Did you, is that where you grew up? That's where you're from initially? So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm born and raised. Um, left a, a few years to, to study and then came back. Yeah. When I came back, there was about three therapists here in in this, you know, very big. I mean, it's it's about 1.5 million people. Three in therapists. The Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. Good Three job. therapists. That was maybe 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, now we have about a little over 100. Okay. Still not a lot for 1.5 million Still people. Still not a lot, yeah. but, you know, things have changed. But it's really hard because growing up, you know, in the, in the, in the Latinx community, you don't talk about your feelings, first of all, and you, you sure as hell don't talk to a therapist about your feelings. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was just uh, something that I wanted to change here in this, in this uh, border town. And, 
and we've been able to do that, but it's, it's still really hard. That stigma is still there. And, um, it's, yeah, it's needed. Uh, we still need to educate our community, but we're getting there. Let's define that Latinx thing. So in your part of the world, it's Mexican American predominantly. Yes. But we could expand that. Right. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that that culture is I mean, I understand that it's not homogeneous, of course, to where you are colors where, you, you know, your beliefs and your culture. But, you know, are you feeling that there's a, a bit of consistency across whether you're from Mexico, whether you're from Central America, whether you're from Puerto Rico, whether you're from Cuba? You know, I would imagine that there are similar threads. Yes. Yes, it's basically the same. Like, I think it has to do a lot with um, machismo, religion, just, you know, um, I feel that for the Mexican-Americans that live here in the United States, um, it's always about what are people going to think. And so you're raised in this, you know, fear of don't let people see your weakness. And they see weakness as, you know, talking about your feelings or anxiety or anything else that they feel is weakness. Um, I truly believe that it's because it's almost like we're not accepted anywhere. If I go to Mexico, I'm a gringa. You know, they think I'm, I'm this white girl. Yeah. Uh, and here in the United States, we're Mexican-Americans. So it's just kind of like our parents raise us to, to just kind of be aware of that and to always try harder and don't let people see your weakness. Don't let people, yeah. you know, just always trying to fit in. And that's not even a mental health thing. I mean, clearly it has mental health impacts. It's just a societal thing. Like, yes. you got to be strong so we can make our place and be accepted and have our voices heard and all of those things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard the topic, you know, I've been involved in some interesting discussions about lack of representation in your community, you know, in terms of in legislatures and, and policymaking bodies. And you're in a state full of Latinx culture with very little representation in the legislature in, in comparison. So... I could see where that could become pervasive. Like, no, 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 we can't, we can't show that there's any problems here. Like you can't, don't talk about your problems. So, yep. yeah. So what does that mean? Like, is it a big deal for somebody who's dealing with, with the disorders that you and I talk about all the time to come and see you, to even get up the nerve to come and see you? What are they doing yeah, otherwise? You would think that it wouldn't, you know, we're in the year 2021 and yep. you would think that things have changed and they have, but I still get, you know, there's, there's teens that sometimes will email me, I really want to see a therapist, but my mom doesn't believe in therapy, or, uh, you know, they th they say that I'm crazy, or what are people going to think? Uh, the last little girl that I that I was seeing right before the pandemic, um, that her parents were would still tell her that she was crazy. Every single time she had a session with me the car ride to to my office it was always like estas loca blah 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 i mean it was crazy for me for her to hear that for for me to hear that from her and you know of course i have to educate the parents and um i'm typically very nice but i don't put up with that <laughs> yeah well i think in the end you have to advocate for your client they're primarily first and foremost who's, you exactly. know, you're helping. Yeah, I get that. So she's literally coming to therapy and being told along the way that this is that a huge crazy. mistake. You're crazy. And like, why is this even a thing? Yeah. 
That's, you know, and we hear this all the time among the people who suffer from these problems that we're always addressing, you know, people will give them terrible advice, like, you know, just choose happiness or, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And some people do get told nasty things like you're crazy. This is all in your head. It sounds like it's even worse in that culture to a certain extent. It is. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the differences between men and women and what, what message is the woman hearing versus what message is the man hearing in your community? That's even worse. I mean, you know, most of the teens that come in, they say, oh, my dad doesn't know. My mom's bringing me. My mom believes in, you know, taking care of your mental health, but my dad doesn't. Um, but then you have those those women that, like that lady, that teen that I was talking about, it was her mom that would say that to her. But it is just that machismo in, in this culture that is still so much alive. It's, you know, just men don't cry, men don't feel, men don't, um, you know, don't get anxious. And if you are anxious, then you're, yeah, you're not a man. You're failing. It, what's so interesting is for me, having grown up Italian American, so, so I'm second, kind I'm third, similar. very yeah. similar, very similar. And it's interesting, even in popular culture, there was a, a couple of movies that Robert De Niro made with Billy Crystal not too long ago was analyze this and analyze that, oh, yeah. which are very funny movies. He plays, Robert De Niro plays a mob boss. So he's got that whole Italian-American thing going on throughout the movie. And when he starts having panic attacks and he goes to see Billy Crystal, it has to be on the QT because Billy Crystal is a therapist. And he says, oh, Billy Crystal says, oh, you're having panic attacks. And the De Niro character looks and says, do I look like the kind of guy that panics to you? Like, he cannot admit it. Cannot admit it. Now, first of all, because of his position in the mob, but that's yeah. as pervasive in this culture also, in the Italian-American mm -hmm. culture. I think it's very similar. So, yeah. Yeah. Now that's the, the, the what's the, funny. Know. The what what's funny though is that in the the past maybe six or seven years, the majority of my patients prior to the pandemic, I think they're kind of not wanting to do video or you know, uh, but it was the past six or seven years, the majority of my patients were men. That's amazing. Really. Yep. So they would. So you were treating more men than women. For a long time it's severe anxiety severe anxiety and not only like men it was it was yeah. younger kids too teens yeah yeah now why do you think that is like a women are clearly i'm going to say that women are suffering from the same problems but what are the stigmas in your community in terms of women then yeah you know, we talked a little bit before we went on the air about mm -hmm. oh heaven forbid you do something for yourself is that part of yeah, it yeah no so women here in the in in the latinx uh you know mexican-american latinx uh culture it's you know, you're a wife and you're a mother. That's your main priority. And, you know, anyone that goes and hangs out with their friends or does any type of self-care for, for themselves is seen as you're a bad mother. How can you do that? Oh. Which is crazy. You yeah. know, it's crazy to me. But that pressure of you never doing anything for yourself is there because, again, right. what are people going to think? That's so difficult, too, because first of all, even just going and engaging the aid of a professional like you is doing something for yourself. And it's, you know, it's a thing you have to insert into your weekly routine. And then, as we both know, the work of recovering from an anxiety disorder is all about doing work for yourself. So, you know, I, I had to yep. write about that in, in the book, like, you know, you're gonna have to make this a priority and get it into your life and get everybody on board. So I'm guessing there's family pressures and, and, and you know, peer pressures to not no, 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 that's not, a, that shouldn't be any routine. Your routine is all about yeah. your kids and your husband and your family first. You don't know how many people I have that I tell them, you know, I give them all these exercises to do at home. And, yeah. 
you know, the next session, they're like, oh, I didn't have time. I'm like, bring out your calendar. <laughs> you got how, time. How, you know, it's yeah, like, I yeah. will find time for you. How long do you spend on social media? How long do you spend on Instagram? Right. Scrolling around. Right. Which is super common for everybody, regardless of the culture. Some people will yeah. say like, oh, I was very busy this week. I didn't really get to do my interceptives or whatever it was. And it's like, well, hang on a second here. Like, again, let's look at that. But then when culturally you have a thing that says, no, 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 you come last. So you got to make sure that you do all of the other stuff. And then if you can maybe squeeze in some recovery after the kids go to bed, then fine. Like, we'll put up with it. That's tough. Yeah. That's a hard message to hear. So for a lot of these women, I have to do self-love first. Like we literally have to do intensive therapy to yeah. just make them understand that they have to. And, and you know, a lot of times they, they say, well, it, it's I feel selfish or I feel I'm like, it's not putting yourself. Okay. Let's say you don't want to put yourself first. Yeah. It's putting yourself on the list of people that you, because you're not even on the right. list right now. <laughs> it's true. You're not even, you don't even appear. You don't even have an invite to the party for God's sake. Exactly. Yeah, that's tough. And it's, I think you have to make that argument or at least try and make the point and get them to understand like, well, you know, you don't understand if you do this, how are you better? If you do care about serving your family and your community, which you, you know, most people do, how are you better serving your family in a healthy position or in a position of constant fear and disordered anxiety? Exactly. So like, and I give them this example. I tell them, you know, when you're super stretched, stretched out and you're doing so many things for everyone else and someone comes and they ask you for help because in our culture, we can't say no. Right. And you <laughs> go and you help them. Guess what? You're going to be miserable. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be angry. And guess who you're going to be angry towards? Yeah. Themselves. The people around yeah, you, the yeah. people you love. Right. And so you're doing all this for everyone, but then you're treating your kids, you know, so are you really helping everyone? Are you really, right. right? you know, and so they kind of like, wow, you know, they, they realize that not taking care of yourself. I mean, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah, that's, that's a good analogy. That's actually true. And then you start to beat yourself up even a little more because you want to help. It's ingrained. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's ingrained in you to help. But at the same time, when you help, you're feeling miserable and you're afraid and you don't want to do it and you want to avoid it. And then you feel like, well, I'm not even able to help. So what else could be wrong with me? So getting that message across that says, no, no, you got to put yourself, I like just get on, on the, the list. list. At a minimum, get on the <laughs> list, man, because, you know, you can't, you can't do it otherwise. It's really good. Yeah. Let's talk for a few minutes. And this gets dicey. So I don't, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play carefully on this one. But, and coming from an Italian-American culture, it's a heavily Roman Catholic culture you know, there are faith-based issues sometimes too. So I, I'll start from with, from my background. One of the first things that I would hear would be, well, you bring the, not necessarily you bring it to the church. There's some different, different, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Different norms based on different denominations. And when you get into different parts of the Christian faith, I guess, but you know, the church was seen as a place, not so much that, that the clergy could fix the problem, at least for me in a Roman Catholic parish, but that this is a thing that you would pray on and you would bring to God and you would do that. And that's fine. Are you finding that that can also tend to be an obstacle? You know, like as the faith can become a obstacle as opposed to a tool and a, and a position of strength to work from. Everyone, it's a tough one. Yeah. Probably 99% of the people here are, yeah. are Catholic. Yeah, sure. um, so what I, what I get is, you know, a lot of times when people come in and they have mothers that are very 
narcissistic or toxic. And, you know, I kind of tell them you have to separate yourself from those people. Sometimes it's sadly your mother. And, you know, you don't have to completely stop talking to your mom, but you know, if you're over there and she's abusive towards you, toxic, guess what? You're going to come back home and are you going to be okay being a mother to your kids? Right. You know? And so I, I tell them this and a lot of women will say, well, I need to talk to my priest about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm very grateful that most of the priests here, not all of them, yeah, but most of them are really big on mental health and they are finding out that, you know, the Latinx culture, sometimes mothers can be very toxic and, um, and they tell them your therapist is right. Oh, that's hugely helpful. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah. I've seen that pervasive in sometimes where there's almost a fear that like, because the faith is so ingrained in the family structure and the societal I structure. Truly and that's great. I believe that the Catholic uh, religion yeah. uses fear. And it's like, Catholics are probably more likely to be anxious because they use fear to help raise you. You know, it's well, like, kind of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, clearly you grew up in it. I grew up in it, you know, and there's that. And look, it goes, we can, we can, there's a whole history thing. But, you know, look, you don't have to go back a few hundreds of years, not thousands of years, hundreds of years. Like, we are the single most powerful force in the universe. Do not forget that. So, so much of it does stem from that. That's true. And I think that's that pervasive thing that says, well, this should be a cornerstone of my recovery. So why am I not able to solve this within the context of, of the church as it exists in my family, my community, my whatever? And so sometimes I see that. And I'm guessing, you know, that could be a problem too. I have to bring it first to the church. And as long as you can get the, the cooperation, if the local clergy clergy is well-versed and they're really taking care of their, their people, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so many crazy obstacles, not crazy, but real cultural, they're real to your patients. I'm sure you are asking them to go against some very deeply ingrained norms and systems that they feel they need to conform to, to be accepted and loved in the community and the family. Yeah. That's got to be an exercise by itself. So if you're dealing with panic attacks, agoraphobia, GAD, whatever it is, now on top of that, you have to start separating yourself from these norms that that make you feel grounded and safe. Difficult. My work is hard here in my Latinx community. I think it is. I've already done this for so long that, of course, 20 years ago, because I've been doing this for a little over 20 years, 21 years, I think, um, you know, it was hard, but I've learned so much from my clients and so much from, you know, the, the culture and, and, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do. So I know what to say and I know how to get them to understand and open their eyes that it's important for them to take care of themselves. So, yeah, that's great. Do you think it's be helpful? Somebody's got this problem. I think, you know, cultural influences do matter. So I've got to imagine you have a leg up. I mean, if I were to move to, to where you are and, and put out a shingle, I'm, you know, how would I be perceived? So in my building, there was this one therapist, Anglo uh, guy, and I mean, he would, I was busy all the time, me and the other therapist, and there's three therapists, there was three therapists there, and people wouldn't, like, they would, he would get maybe two or three a week, which is nothing, I mean, I see literally like 10 to 12 a day. Um, You're doing 10 sessions a day? Man, yeah. respect to you, my friend. Boom, fist bump. I know. That is no joke. <laughs> okay. Um, but he, they, they wouldn't stay. Like, it was just like maybe they would stay for one or two sessions, and that's it. And yeah, yeah. 
So it's really hard. I mean, we do have maybe 5% Anglo uh, population here, but right. that's it. I guess that makes sense. People will naturally gravitate to people who are like them. We have that natural bias built into us, I guess. And yep. if you're going to have, be asked to do things that are difficult from a cultural or society societal standpoint because of you know the community you're in, it's a lot easier to be asked by somebody who's also in the community. Like, no, I, I understand this is going to make you, you're going to get some shit for yeah. doing what I'm telling you, but we got to do it anyway. So, yep. yeah, very good. You want anything else on this one? And then I want to get to the little packet. They can't see you because Lisa and I can see each other. You guys can't see her. I want to talk a little bit the, about the other just, thing. Just with the men, um, you know, like I said, the last few years, it was more men that were reaching out and I was seeing. Um, they were, of course, reluctant to come, but they were the ones that would listen to me. As far as if I told them to do something, they would come back the next week. I did it. And, you know, it was amazing. And yeah. so they listen more of, you know, homework. And, and so they, they're, they're more open to getting rid of their anxiety faster. I wonder if that plays a little bit to what we were talking about. I mean, maybe the men, and look, I mean, in my background, Italian Americans, I would say that I'm lucky. They put themselves first. In a way, look, look, they, next, you know, yeah, so yeah, so, you know, if you have a patient who's a man, he can start making routine changes and no one's going to question that or ask him or like condemn what he, maybe what he's doing because he's working on a, an admitted mental health problem, but nobody's going to say, hey, why are you taking an hour you're to do this exposure? Care, yeah, you're right. supposed to be taking care of the kids. So yeah. They, you know, they so, don't. So I guess that, but that, but that's cool. I mean, I kind of dig how you wind up being so heavily skewed toward men accidentally. Yeah, you didn't plan that. It's not like you were marketing to, to dudes, I'm sure, but it just sort of happened that way. It just happened. Yeah. That's good. And young people, I dig that too. I'm glad they're coming to get help. It's a good thing. Yeah. Let's segue for a second. Now, let me make a, let me make a, uh, <laughs> a, a little bit of a disclaimer here. And, and Lisa and I were laughing about this before I hit the record button. You guys would literally light torches and get pitchforks and come after me if, if, <laughs> if, I, if I had people talking about this sort of stuff. But I think there's an interesting way that Dr. Lisa is involved with, with tea, like tea that you would drink. Anxiety, Anxiety tea. tea. <laughs> and it's funny because I'll tell the story a little bit, right? So we're going to talk about it a little bit because I love the way that you are integrating it into the approach, right? So this is not buy this tea and it makes your symptoms go away and it fixes everything in any way. Lisa is an eminently qualified psychotherapist who understands the in and outs of CBT and its variants. And that's how you treat these disorders. So that's the disclaimer right up front. But I dig how you got into the tea thing as a segue to get people into the, the program, if you will, quote unquote. So who told you have a cup of tea to start? This is such a good story. It's like a little heartwarming story, you know? I know. Yeah. So my mother, the day that I called her with severe anxiety yeah. um, and panic, my senior year in college, when I called her, her advice was, tomate un tecito, which means drink a cup of tea. And I remember thinking like, what? Why did I call my Mexican mother for advice, you know? You're not helping, so, mom. <laughs> it's, a, it's a story that I've been saying for many years. Um, you know, when I do public speaking and my podcast, I've, I've yeah. talked about this. Um, but every time I did that, people would literally ask me, what tea did you drink? And I'm like, <laughs> of course, literally, I'm telling you that you can't cure your anxiety with a cup of tea. Yeah. But this is how I started incorporating tea because in, I think it's just because they're still, still not sure about therapy. Yeah. They feel like they need something. Okay. You know, these people believe in Vicks, 
but they don't believe in therapy. You know, it's it's so I I felt like I needed to yeah. to do something. Wait, to kind let's of, stop for a second. Vicks, like the menthol stuff that you put under your nose. So there's a joke. I mean, you can look it up that Mexican mothers want to cure everything with Vicks. Vicks <laughs> vaporu. It's it's in Spanish. It's called vaporu, uh, vapor rub. Yeah, and Love it's it. true. I mean, you get sick, and they're like. Put some Vicks under your feet and put some Vicks under your nose yeah, and put yeah. some on your chest. Um, and so it's either tea or Vicks that they want to cure everything with. Yeah, with but that. that's not necessarily a bad thing. So if you can get them into the practice of like sit down, be yeah, mindful, because, have mean, a cup of tea. Most, you know, the, the teas, there are a lot of herbs out there that can promote you know, calmness yeah, and sure. make you feel better. But of course they're not going to cure your anxiety. Right. But you know, with, with the, the tea that I created, it's an adaptogen. So it helps with, you know, the nervous system. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but when they buy my tea, they don't only get the tea because remember it doesn't cure your anxiety. Right. They actually get my teachings and, you know, some the exercises and that I yeah. teach my clients and, and eventually, you know, uh, encourage them to do the exposure therapy that is much needed to finally yeah get know, the ball rolling. feel better and not feel anxious all the time so i i think and you know you guys have been listening for a long time you know how hard i go <laughs> when it comes to this sort of stuff <laughs> but i actually really like that it's a little bit of a gentle way into the hard work and you know what we talked a bit before we started recording also, like when you are in the grips of these disorders and you're so down on yourself and you feel like you're incapable of anything, the simple, and I've said, I use this example all the time. Well, I guess you'll have to just make lunch while you're anxious. Well, if tea resonates with somebody and it's something they know from their childhood and it's familiar to them and they, it's approachable, you can, you can make a cup of tea, you could sit down and you can read some of what I've given you while you have your tea. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. I, I kind of dig it. <laughs> so <laughs> good for you and your teas. And when you sent me your initial message, it was just Lisa messaged me, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. She's like, Oh my God, I'm doing teas. Don't hate me. So <laughs> we, we had a good just laugh. So you know, I'm doing <laughs> just so you know, if you see teas, like we're still buds. Right. So anyway, uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it. Cause I think it's a good idea. It's pretty smart. I think it just gives them that, that, you know, when you doubt, any of these things, you're already not going to do them fully. Yeah. Yeah. I get and it. so, you know, it gives them that little trust and that little calmness to believe, you know what, this is going to work. Yeah. I can do a thing here. It's good. It gives them a break where they can pause and actually think about, it. I can do this. I like it. And it's a self care, you know, yeah. some of the teas actually that don't have any adaptogens and just, yeah. I, I'm calling them self-care teas. Well, you know, it's, it could be something that you just enjoy. And a lot of times when you're in the grips of these disorders, you forget to do things just for the sake of enjoyment. We don't, we're not always recovering or suffering. We're just, we could be living too. And have a cup of tea. I'm not a tea guy, but have if you're a tea, tea person, why not? What's the, <laughs> what's wrong with that? And this tea will come with some valuable lessons. So there you go. Anywho, I so you're seeing 10 clients a day. I can't even believe you carved out a half hour for me. Thank you very much. So Mondays are my days off. <laughs> oh, so there you go. This on a Monday. Well, that worked out really well. Um, how can people find you if they want to find you? I'm on Facebook, Instagram, at the anxiety doctor, DR at the end. Yep. Um, and all my info is there. This will be podcast episode number 151. So if you go to the anxious truth.com slash 151, I'll have all Lisa's links there if you guys want to follow along. I recommend it because there's a lot of good wisdom coming out of there. And T, who knew? 
<laughs> in my culture, it would have been, let me make you something to eat. Are you hungry? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And yeah. I believe me, I've been there. In the grips of it, I would tell my mother, like, oh my, you know, I was just, I remember once saying, like, I was, you just have that fear. If I was awake, I was afraid. I didn't know if, you know, I'm afraid. Yeah. And uh, are you hungry? Did you eat? Thanks, mom. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't really, I don't need anything to eat right now. <laughs> I just, I feel like my heart's about to stop. So uh, anyway, I get it. But anyway, thanks for coming by. Really super useful. Good conversation. We'll do it again sometime. And you guys yes. go follow Dr. Lisa. She's a good person. Yay. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, don't hate me. I won't hate you. I believe me. I don't hate you. We're still buds. All right. I'll be back in a second to wrap it up, guys. All right. We are back. That was a good discussion. That was a good 20 minutes or so. Covered a lot of good ground. Hopefully you guys found it useful. Um, like I said, if you go to the anxious truth.com slash one, five, one, I will have all Dr. Lisa's links there. Check her out. She has a good Instagram account. I follow her and that's how we met each other. So she's one of the good ones. She's going to give you good information. So go check it out before we go. Let's start playing afterglow here. Cause that's what I do when we leave, uh, before we go, let me turn it up. I like this song. I really do. Anyway, before we go, I'm going to ask you the same favor that I always do. If you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or any platform that lets you rate and review the podcast, Leave a rating, leave four and five stars, five stars, preferably if five, leave the highest one, whatever that is. How's that? That's my, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. And if you have an extra two or three minutes, write a short review of the podcast, because that's what helps other people find it. And I, I appreciate when you guys do it. You're always very kind in the words that you put out there when you talk about me. And I, and I really do appreciate, even though it kind of makes me squirm and I hate to ask. Anywho, as usual, we'll be back next week. I'm going to play you out with Afterglow by my buddy Ben Drake. You can find Ben at facebook.com slash Ben Drake Music. Check him out. He's a talented dude that makes good music. You're going to like it. Thanks, Ben, for letting me use the tune. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. And as always, I will remind you that this is the way. It's all around you. You can breathe it in. This is where you start. Begins, you got the feeling that you're gonna win.